0: Thank you. Let us turn to the Word of God. The Father's Love. This is the title of our message. Today's message comes from Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39. Please rise for the reading of the Word of God. Our text again comes from Romans Chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This is the Word of God. Beginning at verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also. Along with him. Graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge. Against those. Whom God has chosen. It is God. Who justifies. Who is he that condemns. Christ Jesus. Who died. More than that. Who was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God. And is also him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Amen. Please be seated. Let us ask God for the illumination of our text. Our Lord and God, give us your spirit. Increase our capacity to listen and learn from your word. Increase our love for your gospel message. Bless our listeners. We ask and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Once again, like to welcome you all who are listening, and we're thankful to be able to once again come together to join as a family of believers in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're truly thankful that he has sent forth his Holy Spirit, who even right now is amongst us. And we must remember that according to the scriptures, where two or more are gathered in his name, the Lord our God is with us. The Holy Spirit, which which gathers us and ushers us into his presence, we're truly thankful for. Amen? Now, let me begin by introducing our message. Last week... The title of our message was The Divine Plan. I express that in Romans chapter 8 verses 28 through 30. Paul describes a key aspect of the plan of God. Because God has elected a sinful people. I try to support this with the following points. We saw that because God has elected a simple people, he has rejected some. We saw also that because God has elected a simple people, these have been saved by God. We saw that because God has elected a simple people, these out of a thankful heart, out of thankfulness, glorify God. Now that I have covered last week's material... Let us cover today's material. The title of our message, once again, is The Father's Love. Our topic is the enormous love of God for his people. That is our topic. The love of God for his people. And I say to you that in Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39, Paul describes some key aspects of the love of God because God deeply loves Christians. How can we fully understand all this? Well, we can start by looking at the following points. In point number one, we will see that because God deeply loves Christians, God has rightly condemned Christians. All others. And point number two. We will see that because God. Deeply loves Christians. Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Has rightly judged us. And point number three. We will see that because God. Deeply loves Christians. Christians rightly. Love. God. Amen. Now. Some background on our text. And I must always repeat this. The author of this. Of our text is. Who children? Who's the author of our text? Paul. Paul. Very good. Paul. It's important to understand that. His name is Paul. Now his name was not always Paul. Paul. But his name is Paul, which was given actually by Christ himself, if I remember correctly. Because at one time it was what? Anybody want to take a guess? Saul. Saul. of Tarsus, I I believe, right? Very good. Now, what is his office? Anyone want to? The The apostle of Jesus Christ. Very good. Now, the theme of our letter is... Paul states the theme in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. that He states the theme of this, this whole entire letter. And it is this. The gospel reveals how God puts people right with himself. It is through faith from beginning to end. You must, listen, you have to get this. Because if you don't get this, you're going to miss a lot of what Paul is essentially saying to us, to believers in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. The genre of this, of our text is, anybody want to take a guess? It's a what? Yes. It's a letter. (laughs) Okay? Okay. When I, when I say genre, all I'm talking about is what type of writing is this? What kind of text is this? Because, listen, not, not every, everything we read in the Bible as far as the books of the Bible. Remember, we have books of the Bible. How many books are there, children, in the Bible? 69. Sixty-six. Very good. And so, now each book has its own genre. Did you know that? Yes, it does. Each book has its own genre there' are letters there's narratives okay and and so forth apocalyptic prof, uh prophetic and and so forth so listen it's important to understand the genre because when you're reading and you start to see the structure on how it's written it helps you to understand the message so it helps you to understand fully what the What the author is trying to say to us. So the genre is very important. Very important. Now the recipients of this letter is the Roman Jewish and non-Jewish converts. Paul's description is one of the future glory of God. It is a glory which can best be described as a condition of blessedness. A condition with past, present, and future realities. Amen? So now, remember, this is the word of God. Now, without further introduction, let us move into the message of God. Now, to point number one. Because God deeply loves Christians, God has rightly condemned all others. Condemned all others. Let us turn to the text. Our text. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. I'll begin reading there. Now, when I use the word condemn, remember condemn or think of conde- uh, con- the word condemned as a term that is basically falls into the arena of God's judgment upon sinful humanity. So basically we're talking about God as the judge of the universe. God is the judge of the universe. So, being that he is a judge of the universe, it is clear in his word, he has revealed himself as the judge, first of all. And not only that, he is a righteous judge. Say righteous judge. Righteous judge. That is, that he judges his creation, or he, I shouldn't say, no, I'm getting out of his, his role, but as a judge, he, he judges all the universe according to a righteous standard. It is his righteous standard upon which he judges all the universe. Now the universe, when I talk about the universe, I'm talking about all the heavens and the earth. God is the supreme judge. But notice this. Let's start at verse 31 again. What then shall we say in response to this? Now, what is this? What is he talking about? This. Now, you remember uh, this refers to something. Right? It's a pronoun. So it, it refers to something. And I'm here to tell you what it's talking about. It's referring to those verses that preceded verse 31. So we're looking at. Most most um, to 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 um, point you to 28 through 30 and in verses 28 through 30, you will see that it talks about the role of God as a judge, a supreme judge, and that he has judged all creation as guilty, or I should say humanity. He has judged all humanity as guilty of sinning. Against him. Guilty of breaking his laws. And because they have broken his law. And need They have been judged. As guilty. They have been judged as guilty. And being that they are guilty. The sentence has been given. And that is eternal death. That is eternal death. Now, if you remember back in the book of Genesis, we saw that, didn't we? When Adam and Eve sinned against God, and the Bible describes it as in in the cool of the day. Really, I think that would best be described as the judgment day. When God entered in and he judged them guilty of sinning against him. He had already... Warned them that in that day that they eat of the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. They shall surely die. They should surely die. And they did. When they ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they died. Now, they died, first of all, in a spiritual way. And what I mean by spiritual way, meaning that. Their nature, that which they were created in, which was righteous and sinless, it it basically became corrupt. What do I mean by corrupt? Well, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you, for example, cut off a branch of a tree and you lay it aside, after a few days, it, begin, it begins to do what? Yeah. die, wither and die. And before long, if you don't do anything with it, and if, let's just say if it was a perfect, perfect uh, perfect world, you know no wind, nothing like that, just the sun, and no one touches it, you'll start to see that eventually it will turn into what? dirt. It had just returned back to its basic elements. So, you know, that is basically what happened to the spiritual nature. It became corrupt. It died. It no longer was capable of doing what, like say for example, uh, if it was a if it was a branch from a apple tree or orange tree, it would not long no longer be able to do what children produce apples or oranges, right? It will, no, it will no longer be able to produce that. So, listen, that's what happened to humanity. That's what death has done. Or I should say the that is the consequences of sinning against God, transgressing His laws. Amen? And so, but now, Paul says, then, what shall we say in response to this, and that is that now this is where the gospel comes in. The gospel is this, and God in over in Genesis 3:15 declared the gospel, and that is that He will provide a Savior, He will provide a Christ. You know, one of the things that really breaks my heart and saddens me most is that when I listen to ministers today. They essentially are preaching a Christless sermon. They, they don't even mention Christ most of the times. Matter of fact, I tried this one day. I just to count the number of times that, that you know, many of the preachers that you hear like on the radio and stuff like that, how many times they actually say Jesus Christ. And one sermon, not one time. Did the, the, the preacher mention Jesus Christ, and it saddens me. It very deeply saddens me, and has, it troubles me that a lot of sermons nowadays that are being preached, they preach. Uh, it's, it's Christless. Their sermons are Christless. There's no Christ. Listen, Christ is the savior. Of us all. The Old Testament. That's basically what. The hope. There was a hope. For all the people. Who were uh, chosen by God. And I'm talking about the descendants. Of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their greatest hope. Was a Messiah. That they were. That, that, that God would send forth a Messiah. That would Eternally bring them back into a right relationship with God. Which will be eternal. And that God will forgive their sins forevermore. And so only Christ can do that. Only the Christ of God can do that. What then shall we say in response to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul is saying, you know what? Listen, God is for you. God is for you. Why? Is it because of something in us that innately wants God? Is there something in us that, That basically, that says, you know what, I need God. I'm here to tell you, this is not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the reason why God is for you is because if you look back up again at verse 29. I should say verse 28, you'll see that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So you have to be called, first of all, according to God's purpose. So listen, Paul is saying, you know what? You're not going to do it on your own. Why? Because our natures have been corrupt. Listen. Think about it. It makes sense if you really think about it. Because what was the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned against God? Did they first of all look at each other and say, you know what? Oh my goodness. We just sinned against God. We better go tell God right now. Mm-hmm. We, need to go. we need to go and present ourselves before God. Humble ourselves before God. God, we blew it. We messed up. Please forgive us. We've done a very horrible thing. We're we're so sorry. Our hearts are broken. We're we're crying. We're we're at, we're at the point of tears. Did they do that? No, they didn't. What did they do? They ran. They ran because that's what happened to our nature. Our nature. Listen, don't get me wrong. You can look around and you can say, you know, to yourself, you know what. <laughs> It's undeniable. It has to be a creator somewhere. No doubt about it. And let's just call him God. Might as well just call him God, the supreme creator. But you know what? That's not going to tell you about what really happened. What happened to us and in, in, internally. It's not going to tell you that. Only the gospel will tell you that. The good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. First of all, it points us to the fact that we are sinners, fallen in Adam and Eve. And not only that, we're conceived in sin, the Bible says. And that's why, again, I am positively sure that God has rightly condemned all others. Now, when I say all others, I'm talking about those who do not believe in Christ Jesus. Because remember, we've been judged too. The, the difference is, is that God, according to here, according to number 29, for um, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. He's creating us in the likeness of his son. That's why I'm talking to when I say Christians, I'm talking about Christ like. God is creating us in the image, or after the image, I say not in the image, but after the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we're like him. All others are not being created like Christ. And it's listen, it's obvious because. When you mention, oftentimes, that's the reason why most ministers and most preachers, listen, this is a fact. Most ministers and most preachers don't preach Christ because they're afraid of offending people. Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ offends people. It offends people. And that's why you try it, try it, you just try it one time. In your circle of influence, wherever you at, just try it. Say Jesus Christ, and say, you know what? Listen, I hear you guys talking about so and so, but you know what? In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to join you in this this conversation. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to I'm going to refrain from this this conversation. I guarantee you, you they'll look at you like you're insane. Or in any public gathering. Just mention the name Jesus Christ. Oh, excuse me. I want, I want, I know everybody, we're all, we're, all having a, we're all having a good time. But I just want to share my love for Jesus Christ. And what Christ has done in my life. I know this is a football gathering. I know we all gather in here to watch a football game. Or watch the basketball game. Or watch the soccer game. Whatever it may be. But I've got to tell you about Jesus. Jesus Christ, my Savior, the one who has saved my soul. And not only that, will eventually save my body, this corrupt body. Remember, just like a branch, when you cut that branch off from a tree, it eventually does what? Die. die. Listen, that's the same thing that happens to us. We die because we're not in our natural environment. We're not, con- we're not fully connected with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm here to tell you that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, every day, and I hope that you are, you will be, knowing this, knowing this fact, you, you should be in your heart and on your knees praying to God, Lord God, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come Quickly. We want you to come now. I'm so sick and tired of death and dying. Experiencing death. Experiencing dying. I'm sick of it. Listen. I'm sorry. I've gone off track. I'm sorry. But my heart is broken. By the things that I hear in the churches now. A Christless church is only fit, according to the Bible, to be cut off and cast aside. And so the reason why it breaks my heart, because I know that there are people in there who really hunger and thirst for the word of God. I know that because I talk with them. I talk with them. That's that's what I do. I make it a point of every day trying to talk with someone. A Christian, hopefully, hopefully, because I know if, it's, if he or she is a Christian, I get an opportunity to witness. I get an opportunity to talk about the things of God. And if they're not a Christian, I'll talk with them about it too. But oftentimes, those who are not Christians, they don't want to... Listen, I'm sorry to tell you. i got to tell you the truth. Listen, most people who are not Christians, they don't want to have nothing to do with Christ. You know why? Because if Because they love their sin. They love their sin. They love their sin. And I guarantee you, they don't want to have nothing to do with you. They don't want to hear nothing about Christ. And as far as I'm concerned, they will not want to hear nothing about Christ, then it's out of my hands. Read the Bible. You see, Jesus was the same way. You know, he, don't get me wrong, he talked to sinners because he came to save sinners. We're sinners. But most times you'll see, they came to him. <laughs> Read and check it out. They came to him. when he. I'm talking about when he was in the flesh. They came to him. And he shared with them the message. The good news. Which is that He is the Christ. He is the Savior. Repent of your sins. And get right with God today. Amen? Mm -hmm. And stop all this mess. Don't be ashamed. Listen, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, what he's, that's why he's preaching it right now. That's why he's saying, you know what, for those God, verse 29, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Christ is our brother. Jesus Christ is our brother. He is the first. He is the first fruits. We'll be created after His image. And that's why, like Christ, our primary goal and purpose in life should be the what, children? The will of God. We pray that prayer. What is it, the prayer? Again, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me? It disturbs me. Deeply disturbs me. A gospel without Christ as far as I'm concerned is from the enemy. And I will have no part of it and I hope and pray that you too will make it up in your heart. Or just to say decide in your heart that you will not have anything to do with it either. A Christless gospel. For, for Christians. Has no place in their lives. In our lives. It has no place in our life. It's about Christ. It's about what God is doing. In Christ. Through Christ. For those who believe. That is the gospel. Christ lived. Died, was resurrected, ascended into heaven. Those are things you should be hearing. Those are the kind of things you should be hearing at least once a week. Personally, I think you should be hearing it every day. Personally, I think you should be preaching it to yourself every day. Because if you're not, I don't even know how you're making it. Because I know in my life, when I don't hear the gospel every day, if I'm not preaching the gospel to myself, I get sick, sick in the soul. I really do. I, I, I do. I get down. I get down on myself. And then before long, I'm starting to get down on others. And I know, I know when I start when I start saying things to people. And, you know, I have to repent like constantly throughout the day. <laughs> something's wrong. I'm not connected. I got to get back to the gospel. Essential message of the gospel. For Christians, all we need is the gospel and repentance of our sins. Amen? Forgiveness, I should say. Forgiveness of our sins. That's all we. 1 John 1 9, right? Confess your sins, right? Why? Why do we confess our sins? Because God is faithful and just to forgive us. Of all our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you with me? I think I've covered that long enough. Let's move on. Let's move on to the grace of God. Because that's where we need to be. I hope you know, though, again, about your sin. Now Now that you know about your sin, because God deeply loves Christians... Jesus Christ rightly judges all others. Did you hear what I said? Jesus Christ rightly judges all others. Did you know that Jesus is the judge of us all? Did you know that Jesus, God has has ordained our Lord and Savior, Jesus, as judge over us? I'm talking about Christians. Oh, listen, let's go to, to scripture to find out. Verse thirty two. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He has given us all things. What has he what has he given us, Paul? Well, Paul continues to, to write. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Now listen, condemn. Remember we talked about condemn earlier, right? God has rightly condemned all others. But listen, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? So Paul is asking these questions. He's basically, these are rhetorical questions. He's basically saying, no, no one, no, not no one. Because Christ is our judge. Listen. Being that Christ is our judge. What standards do you think he's judging, judging, judging us upon? Or judging us by? It's, his, it's the righteous standards of God. It's the righteous standards of God. Now Christians means what? Like Christ. So, for those who believe, in, for those who have been called, for those who have been chosen, for those who have been gathered in Christ, guess what? He's judging us as His own. And so, because He's judging us as His own, get this, you got to get this. He's judging us upon His righteousness. Did you know that? Did you know that we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ? That that's how it works. That's basically what he's saying here. That's what Paul is essentially saying. Paul is saying, you know what? Being that you are in Christ Jesus, you're like Christ. You've been created after the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by you have been justified. You have been declared righteous by God, the Father. Who is the supreme judge. Listen. Nobody. Nobody. Can be against you. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to know. That. That you know. The accuser. Which is Satan. He can accuse you. of, Of sinning. All he wants. Because why? Christians do sin, right? Obviously. We sin. But what do we do when we sin? Do we run away like Adam and Eve did? And try to cover up our sins by doing more? By saying more? That's what I'm convinced why a lot of ministers, preachers, preach. They don't preach Christ. Because, listen, they want you to do more. They want you to reach in your pocket and give more. They want you to cut yourself off from your family, time that you should be spending with your family, time that you should be spending on your knees and waiting for the Lord. They want you to stop doing that. Why? So they can get you in their church and work. It's a sad, sad situation. Trust me. I know of Christians right now who men who are considered elders, who are not praying with their wives on a daily basis, afraid to pray with them. But they would rather be in the church somewhere doing something, thinking that, you know what, they're doing it for the glory of God. Neglecting their family, neglecting their wife. Because they believe that as long as they're in the church, they're going to be all right. That God is looking down above and he's saying, you know what? Oh, he's in the church. He's serving as an elder. He's serving as a deacon. He's serving as an usher. He's serving as she, is she, what is doing this, doing all this and doing all that. That's what I really want. No, God is saying, no, that's not what I really want. Read it for yourself. He said, what I really want is I want a repentant heart. What I really want is I want... Blood. I want blood for the sins of humanity. And Christ has given that blood. I want justice. My way. That's his way. It's through Christ. And through Christ alone. By faith alone. Through grace alone. That we are are brought back into a right relationship with God. Don't forget that, people. Please, don't forget that. There are people hurting all over the land. Yes, for various reasons. Because there's going to always be sickness, dying, weeping, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about the church right now. I'm talking about Christians. Christians who refuse to be satisfied, to be content with what Christ has done. That is the problem. And that's what what I'm talking about here that Paul is not talking about. Jesus Christ is our judge. Jesus Christ is our standard. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Jesus Christ is our everything. Our all in all. He has declared so himself. Jesus Christ declares so himself the writers in the Bible. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Believe, trust, wait. Because there's coming a day, and that day is real soon. We're in that day, actually. We're in the last day. I don't know if you know that or not. So I should say, listen, we're in the last day. All we're waiting for right now is Christ to return. To fully renew us, both body and soul. He has started within us. But now we're waiting for the ultimate day when we will receive new bodies as well. He's the judge of us all. Point number three, final point. Because God has elected a sinful people. I should say, that was, that was, I'm sorry, that was a couple of weeks, that was last week. Because God deeply loves Christians, because God deeply loves Christians, he has brought us back into a right relationship with him. He has brought us back into a right relationship with him, whereby we can call him father. And that's all. I think that's all I need to say about that. He has brought us back into a right relationship with, with him, and therefore... Out of thankfulness unto him. For bringing us back into a right relationship with him. Through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. By faith we receive all this. We're truly thankful. We're truly thankful. We have been equipped to live a life of gratitude. To live a life of confessing unto God our sins. To live a life, to confessing to one another about the glories of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? That is, that is, this is, this is what's so wonderful about the gospel message. Is that God in Christ Jesus has given us His Spirit. And it is His Spirit which each day renews our inner person and preserves us for all eternity as we wait for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So our love for God is based upon a renewed heart. And that's why we rightly love Him. We love Him According to the standards which have been given, which are in Christ Jesus, do you understand? Can you get this? Do you do you fully see this? Christian rightly love God because of the renewed heart, the renewed nature. Now, don't get me wrong; the old nature still lies within. And you know the old. So basically, within us there are two. Big dogs, say big dogs. Big, dog. big dogs, okay. I'm from I'm from the hood. I know it, and sometimes it comes out. But anyways, big dogs. big dogs. Now, depending on which dog you feed the most, guess what? It gets stronger. That's right, or get bigger. Now, so the new nature. And the old nature, let's just say they were those two dogs, which one should you be feeding the most? The new or the old? The new nature. Right? You should be feeding the new nature. Because why? The more you feed that new nature, the bigger it'll get, and eventually it'll do what to the old nature? There you go. Kill it. And listen, that is the bottom, that is is God's primary goal, to eventually eradicate or to to, to kill all evil, to kill the old, to to, to to completely destroy the old nature. Now, that's only going to happen in one or two places. That's upon our death, in which point our new nature, along with our new nature, the old nature will leave behind, right? But with our new nature, will in, will instantly be ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ or at his return now I've got to admit this is a topic that I'm, I'm I've been getting getting um, been discussing with a, with a fellow Christian of mine but it, it touches on eschatology which is the end times the the doctrine of the end times and I'm convinced that again we are in the last day and All we're waiting for is the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything else has been done. When he was on the cross, did he say, you know what? I have more to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's bad. I'm being bad now. I'm being real bad. I'm sorry. But no, he didn't say I have more to do. He said it is what? Finished. When he died upon that cross, he said it's finished. Finished means what? It's done. He's done all he, he was supposed to do. The old nature, the sinful nature has, listen, and the reason why God can do this is because it, it was killed in Christ. But there are remnants of it only because we too, we have to bear our own cross. Sad <laughs> so to say. And you know, one of the things that I realized this week, you know what, my problems are Dennis's problems. It's Dennis's problem. It's Dennis's problem. It's my it's my own problem. My own issues is my problem. Listen, when it, on the day of judgment, I have to answer for what Dennis has done, and so will you too. Remember that you have to answer for what you've done in this life. So don't get me wrong. Being in Christ don't mean it doesn't mean that now you have the the license to sin even more. It, it means that, you know what? We need a Savior more than ever. And that Savior is who? Jesus Christ. It's okay to say Jesus Christ. Get used to saying Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I'll say it to your neighbor. Look, look at your neighbor and say, Jesus Christ saved my soul. I'm not embarrassed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's, what Paul, that's basically what Paul has been talking about. So let us close. Let us keep in mind the following key points. Remember that according to point number one, because God deeply loves Christians, God has rightly condemned all others. And let us not forget point number two. Because God deeply loves Christians, Jesus Christ rightly judges all. And let us remember Point number three. Because God has elected a sinful people. These are the thankfulness. These are the thankfulness. Truly glorify God. Or I should say rightly love God. They rightly love God. Okay. So. Let me clarify that, that point. That last point again. Because. Because God deeply loves Christians. Christians rightly Love God. That's that's how that should be written, uh, worded. Amen. All right. Let us pray. Our Lord and God, thank you for giving us your spirit. For the sake of Christ Jesus. Thank you for increasing our knowledge and love for you. Again. This too for the sake of Christ Jesus. Our Lord And God, thank you for enlightening us with the marvelous, with this, with this, hopefully, I hope for all, has been a marvelous message from your written word. Bless our listeners, we ask and we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please rise for the doxology. Now to him who is able to keep you and strengthen you according to the divine revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the mystery that was kept secret for a very long time, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory and honor, both dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Please hug one another and enjoy the rest of the day. God bless you.